0: Hey guys, in today's episode, we interviewed Claire McCallan,
1: author and spoken word poet. We talked about lust as a female vice, the difference between healthy sexual desire and lust and lust versus real love. It was a great conversation and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did.
0: Also, if you enjoy our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you'd go give us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts.
1: That would really help us out a lot. Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It. I'm Jackie. And I'm Megan. And today we are interviewing my friend Claire which Claire and I have actually never met in person which is really (laughs) funny because I feel like I've met her and we went to the same uh school we both went to Franciscan University and I think Claire you're a year young um older than me did you graduate in 2017? I did yep okay so you're just a year older than me but for some reason we just (laughs) never crossed paths but I started following Claire on Instagram because of her poetry she um does spoken word poetry is that how you as I say
2: that yeah that's perfect yeah yes
1: and I'm also a writer and I just I love Claire's writing I love her poetry so I started following her and she did a poem on lust as a feminine vice and (laughs) I read it and I was like oh my gosh I love this this is spot on and Megan and I, as you guys know, we love talking about the things that are uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and people don't like to talk about how women struggle with chastity and struggle with lust.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I think this was like a part of a series you did where you were like talking about how there's different vices that we kind of associate as like more of like a male problem and then other ones as more of a female and we tend to think of lust as something that men struggle with, it's like a a male vice.
2: And yeah so we apply gender like bias really, to everything
0: yeah i thought that was really great to just bring light to the fact that no this is also a feminine vice it might look <laughs> a little different it might you know because women and men are different but it's definitely something
1: the majority of women struggle with yeah totally so well, just to start though we'll go back um can you tell us a little about a little bit about yourself and also your
2: craft of spoken word poetry claire yeah, totally. So, my name is Claire McCallan. I am 26. I live in Boston. I lived in New York for a couple of years before this, and that's where I got into spoken word. I'm performing at New Yorican Poets Cafe, uh, doing all of the open mic circuit, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, spoken word poetry is exactly what it sounds like. It is just speaking your words. So, you write your poem, you memorize it to the best of your ability. And then you get up on stage, even though you want to throw up, and you share your poem and you do your best. Um, A lot of people are like, spoken word, what's that? But when you say slam poetry, they know what you're talking about, primarily because of 21 Jump Street. Yes. Uh, (laughs) People are like, oh, that thing they did. And I'm like, yeah, kind of. You know, <laughs> like, a I little. guess technically that could be your reference. Um, again, I get the amount of times I've had that. I have had that video sent to me so many times. And I'm like, haha, oh. yeah. So <laughs> funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like that. Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it, it is funny, honestly. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's really funny, just like not the 30th time, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Um, yeah and it's like that you know we do competitions um but for me as a catholic spoken word poet the opportunities were a little decentralized like most Mm -hmm. of the time your opportunities for those kind of things would be centralized in a place like new york city but since mine is kind of specifically faith-based uh what made the most sense was to be touring and kind of going to the catholic hubs so Starting in 2019, I started touring. So I had two North American tours and I went all over the place to churches and universities, uh, community groups, missionary groups, and I performed for them um, all original pieces. I did an art residency out in Washington State at the Grunewald Guild, oh, wow. um, which was really great and informative. I lived there um, in a loft above a library, two hours outside of Seattle um and I got oh it was goodness. really cool <laughs> it was really cool and um every artist gets their own studio but the you know obviously there's not a poetry studio so they gave me the stained glass studios so, like that was just really gorgeous because the way the whoa, sun comes in and whoa. hits all of the materials um and then COVID hit I had to end my second tour early a year ago um actually like to the date like a year ago <laughs> right Isn't <that> kind of <laughs> and, <thing>? yeah right <laughs> So a year ago today, I was in Michigan doing a show and now here I am in bed with my eating pad, but okay. Um, And yeah, this last year has been a big call to pivot for me and to really, I was like forced to work on the things I was weak on. So it was about like shaping up my website a little bit. Um, I put out a 10 episode podcast with Catholic TV. I've started... Yeah, um there was a there was a documentary that came out about my work which was really fun and we actually just as of yesterday found out that we got 5 stars at our first film festival. Oh, so that was pretty cool. You. I also watched thank that. Thank you. Wow. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun filming that um here in Boston with Seraphim Media. And um you know the biggest thing is that the book just came out. Um mm-hmm. Stations. Yeah. Yeah. Saw yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe uh, a month ago we released it and it is you know, all the glory to God done just like so much better than we thought it would. <laughs> we were like, Oh, I hope somebody buys it. <laughs> and it, it blew people up. have been so amazing yeah. yeah, people have been amazing. Um, and I mean that has been just the greatest gift of my career thus far. Just like seeing people reading it in their homes and their churches, mm-hmm. hearing about how people are using it in campus ministries. I had a girl send me a video of I guess she has a public speaking class, so she printed out like one of the stations from stations and she read it for her public speaking class. And that was so cool to see her doing it like at a university, you know? And it's just, it's something that I'm super self-conscious about because like I didn't study writing ever, you know, I have a business Mm -hmm. degree and I barely passed, you know, I think I had like a 2.8 GPA. Like I was not good at it. I, Mm -hmm. I graduated college thinking that like, maybe I'm just not that smart, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I was in the, you know, I was, I was in the wrong field. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Ah. So to see my work getting used on universities is like definitely filling a confidence void, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Because I, I always feel it's a big case of imposter syndrome. So, um, (laughs) yeah so yeah sorry that's like a really (laughs) intense answer to you're like who are you Claire but that's that's everything going on with me
0: (laughs) you know what's funny I actually came across your book just on the internet and I was like oh this looks really good and then I saw the name and I was like (laughs) wait
1: that's Claire (laughs) so it's definitely
2: getting out there (laughs) good I'm so glad it has been such a treat yeah Awesome. Yeah. Well, as someone who did study
1: writing in school, I think you are an excellent writer. And Thank you. I followed you, and I just I loved reading your pieces, and I related to them Thank so you. much, and they actually inspired me to start writing in that way. And I think I sent you one of my like. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember point. it was beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, I she just you know inspired me to write in that way, which I'd never thought of before, and I've like carried that with me. So I mean, God, I'm, I'm very, so glad. Yeah, I'm very grateful for your your art. Um, Thank you. Speaking Thank of your you. art, we talked yeah. about a little bit of, you know, what inspired us with this specific poem that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. um, but what inspired you to write this piece and this series?
2: Yeah. So I, I just, I always try to pay attention to what comes into my mind when I'm in mass or I'm in adoration. Because I mean, let me put all my cards on the table. I am just horribly distracted. And like, I, I do, I think like a lot of people have a really hard time focusing on what I'm supposed to be focusing on when I'm in mass or adoration. Mm-hmm. But I do try to like honor those distractions as long as they are honorable. So, like, if I'm sitting there, like, what am I going to eat after this? Or like, ooh, that boy in front of me is cute. It's like, push it away. He's dumb, stupid, bad, stop. You know? <laughs> But if there's like an inspiration that keeps hitting me specifically when I'm in mass or in adoration, which, you know, usually comes after some quiet time, it's not the first thing that comes into your brain when you first move in there, you know. Um, But gender bias and virtues and vices kept coming into my brain when I was in mass. And I was like, okay, let's actually think through this. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I considered most virtues feminine and most vices masculine so I'm Mm -hmm. like you know does that make sense yeah it does um it just totally I was like and I realized that in my mind most likely because of societal conditioning especially within our Christian subculture I was putting the quote-unquote burden of virtue not the virtue isn't a burden but like having to be the one always carrying it is in a, in a partnership, if that makes sense and in a relationship. So I was putting this burden of virtue always on women and making excuses for vice always with men, um, which is just to me really unhealthy because we should be expecting virtue from our men and giving space for women to struggle as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think if we're talking specifically today about lust, I mean, that is just the perfect example, right? Where we expect women to be these bastions of chastity, especially think of Mm -hmm. every romantic relationship you've ever been in. It's, it's always expected that the girl is the one who says no, you know, the guy can push Mm -hmm. as much as he want because the Christian girl will say no. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if she doesn't say no, and things go too far, then it's like, well, why didn't you say no? Like you wanted it, you let it happen, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. right? It's always on the girl to say no. The guy can keep pushing, keep asking and the girls to say no. So we're putting this burden of the girl always having to be like the virtuous one as opposed to like, hey, maybe don't push for that. Don't ask for that. Um, we're always putting the girl on the defensive and she has to be the virtuous one and not giving her the opportunity to speak frankly and publicly and openly and deal with in community the fact that women experience lust as well like lust is not a masculine vice it's no no virtues and vices should be gendered because they're not and and we're shoving female lust um, into a closet and into the darkness where it festers like Mm -hmm. any any untreated wound would Uh, And that's where I think it gets so dangerous when we make these gender assumptions about virtues and vices.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, you know, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about how men are very much expected to have sexual desire, like Mm -hmm. we expect Mm -hmm. that of them. We, you know, view that as a normal part of their human experience. But with women, it's kind of like hush hush, like either we don't talk about the fact that women have sexual desire, or if we do, it's just kind of like, Riddled with a lot of shame, um, yes. Either because women, because it's not talked about, they're like, "Oh, am I the only one that it's like right, right struggling mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, way?" Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to, or mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just seen as like a very worldly thing. It's like, well, we're right. in the world. They're like looking for something, like, <laughs> yes, not yeah, a good Christian girl. Mm-hmm. Like you uh-huh. don't even think about it
2: ever. <laughs> uh huh. And but we're with, so did- yeah we're so gentle with the boys right when we're like well yes all of the boys have pornography addictions but they're being they're being targeted by the industry and they they never had a chance because they were exposed when they were 11 which is literally true they Mm -hmm. are the victims you know like it is not their fault that they were Mm -hmm. exposed to this and had their sexuality exploited and perverted at such a young age like it's just not their fault they were born into a society that like really twist sexuality, mm-hmm. but so were girls, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. And I mean, even if we look at something as specific as pornography, like we pretend like the girls weren't also exposed to it at 10 or 11. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, w- it, 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 uh, like, hello, of course we were, you know? Like we were all exposed to computers at age 10. Of course, mm-hmm. we all saw the same stuff. And obviously everyone took different paths with it. But even if we just look at the um, resources, offered to Christian women. Mm-hmm. Like we only just started acknowledging that women have problems with pornography and masturbation within the last couple of years where there've mm-hmm. been these resources for men. And then like there's like these, there'll be like, a, I mean, let's take Franciscan, which I love, 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 Franciscan. Um, but like, there's these huge posters for men's ministry and like, come, like, let's talk about healthy yep, human sexuality and pornography. And then the women's porn group is porn group okay (laughs) Is like this like secret society yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. I didn't hear about it until after I graduated somebody told me it was called like running club or something they like had they had they had like a secret they had a secret name for it like why do they have to have a secret name for it the boys have posters and the girls have a secret society (laughs) you know
0: yeah, I know. This is something I've talked with my husband about too, because we both grew up in like the Christian culture, but like very different Christian cultures. And he like really in college was always like, "I'm kind of sick of just talking about pornography. Like, can we talk about right. the fact that like a lot of us men are struggling with pride, and like right. that's like really our sin bend? Like, mm-hmm. can I talk about the fact that like I don't know what to do with my anger? Like, like those mm. kind of things? And it was like, no, let's talk about pornography. Whereas Again, women, yeah please like tell me how to like handle this like sexual desire that I'm you know kind yeah. of twisting and warping and not sure what to do with and it's disordered
2: right and I do think we can be a little soft with the boys too where it's like we act like pornography is like an insurmountable obstacle yep um where like it's it's not you know um I don't know I've had this conversation with a couple people and I just it is so hard and it is like you have been exploited and abused by this industry that targeted you at such a young age and it's not okay, but like it very much is conquerable and like it's not an excuse for the ways you might go forward treating women and treating this addiction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to um one of my friends and she was talking about how her boyfriend struggles with, you know, masturbation and pornography. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but that's just expected. Like women can't even understand what it's like to have a sex drive like that or right men are like of course he's probably gonna fall into masturbation and I was like well you know women really struggle with that too and she's you know no not the same way like women should be able to figure it out and control themselves (laughs) right and I'm just sitting there like uh, the amount of women that have come to me and like confided in me and have told me what they struggle with and how serious it is I was yeah, I was like, well, um,
2: okay. It's like a very well-coordinated gaslighting yes. attack. You yes. know, They're like, yes. no, 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 girls, you don't have a sex drive. You wouldn't understand.
1: No, you can't struggle with this. <laughs> if you can't control it, it's really a
2: lot more sinful for you. But the
1: boys, if they can't control right. it, it's really not actually their fault. Like, it's not as serious of a sin.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, um, I think it's a pretty harmful narrative of like, but it's so hard for the boys, you know? Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Could you
0: maybe like just break down for us? What is the difference between because, you know, we are sexual creatures. So what Mm -hmm. is the difference between like a normal, healthy sexual desire Mm -hmm.
2: and lust, which is a vice? Mm. Yeah, I think normal, healthy sexual desire um, goes towards a person who you see as a person in their whole. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And and lust Mm -hmm. is where objectification comes in. Um, And when you're not seeing them as a sum of all of the parts of their body and soul and intellect, you're seeing them just as like their physical parts. Um, And it's tricky because I think it is possible to lust over someone who you do love and you can like have unhealthy lust towards someone who you do normally love and do normally see as a person with a soul and a child of God but in these moments where you're neglecting the relational aspect of it and the emotional relation and the mm-hmm. spiritual connection even like a loving relationship with your boyfriend or your husband can fall into lust when you stop seeing them for the entirety of who they are. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's an important distinction too. I've always thought of it too as like sexual desire when it's healthy and good, it's outward mm-hmm. focused whereas mm-hmm. lust is very inward focused. It's what That's can perfect. I get? You know what can I take, kind of take from you versus like desiring after someone, especially if you are married to them, for instance, is good. Like you're supposed right. to do that, but it's with the focus of like how can I make you feel loved, how can we mm-hmm. connect together. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's definitely possible, and I think that's where it gets tricky is when you you do truly love someone or you're in a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. to have it slip into lust it's it's very it's such a gray
2: like
1: area it's really hard to catch sometimes
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely
1: yeah and I love that you highlighted this idea in your poem as to that we're just more comfortable when women objectify men or Mm -hmm. say like oh, he's so hot or like, it's just a joke. Yeah. It's amusing. And why do you think that is that it's amusing to, uh, to women or in like women's groups, it's not seen as a problem and we're objectifying men.
2: Yeah. Because people don't take female desire, um, seriously, you know? And, and, and first of all, I think there was something to say about the fact that like, it's more concerning with men because with girls you'd be like, Oh, he's so hot, and it's like, yeah but like, what are you gonna do about it? you're gonna go ask him out, you're gonna go cat call him, you're gonna go harass him on the street, like no, you're not <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um so it's like, okay, like sure, sweetheart, but it's like, what are you gonna do about it with guys? like people do fair enough, like tend to take it a little bit more seriously because there's just a lot more I feel like that can happen in the immediate aftermath, you know, like actionable things. Um, I don't know why we don't take it uh, more seriously with women. I, I think we should. Um, yeah, but I think the thing is, like, I don't, we can't even start taking it seriously until girls start talking about it, mm, right. and nobody's talking about it. And uh, there's so much BS in purity culture, right? Um, yeah. Because we, I just, uh, how do I say this? I think. When we talk about purity in women, so often we're talking like as if the girls going out on dates and kissing the guy on the first date. We act like kissing on the first date is a problem. When I think yeah. the reality, like the bigger problem, if we were just about like gonna zoom out, would be like what's happening within committed relationships, I think is where things get, but that that stuff gets sanctioned, right? Because it's like, oh, well, they're in a relationship and they're dating and they're headed towards marriage, but like. Does does that make sense? It's I think if we zoomed out the bigger problems are when you actually really love someone because that's when it gets like you were saying earlier more gray space. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it also goes back to what you were saying at the beginning too of just we just don't see women as lusting. It's either like mm-hmm. we see it as kind of a joke or a funny thing or very innocent because it's like oh mm-hmm. yes, but like deep down like you're very chased. Like mm-hmm. we don't see mm-hmm. you as like truly lusting after someone or struggling in that way or objectifying. Uh-huh. Right. Um, Yeah, and I think too, it's like the language of, like, oh, men are visual creatures, and women are relational, and it's like, oh, okay, but like, women have eyes, like,
2: right, we see too.
0: Um, so with that, do you think that women and men struggle with lust to an equal degree? That's
2: such an interesting question. Um. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm going to get like angry emails. I get the scariest messages from people. I'm going to get like, oh, angry emails about this, but it's fine. No, you're fine. Oh yeah, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. 100%. Okay,
0: guys. Yeah. No, no one email Claire any hate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do. Um, But I think that there's a couple of reasons that we don't think that they do. And I think that's because we're more comfortable talking about Yep. men's lust so it just that it's just like we'll never get accurate data on it because you could okay you know how everyone talks about that one study about men and masturbation and like they wanted to find out like the effects but they couldn't find any men who hadn't masturbated do you know about this yes they had to yeah. like find like a couple mormon boys or something who were like yeah. under the age of 10 like they couldn't find anyone I don't think they could do that study on women because like I think girls would just lie hmm Because it's so, the shame is so deeply, deeply ingrained. Um, And I think the shame surrounding lust is the most dangerous part of it, not even the lust itself. Um, But I think with that, we'd never actually be able to get accurate data on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think also, like we were talking about earlier, like female lust can seem a lot less dangerous and maybe it just is less dangerous because... Like the girls don't won't act on it mm. in an aggressive way, like on the street. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a girl yeah. will be more likely to use it within a relationship, and also like if we want to talk about women being manipulative with their sexuality, there's a conversation, you know, using mm-hmm. it to get what you want. Um, but we're not going to see it taken out into the world in as dangerous and scary ways. Does that make sense? Because of the power imbalance between genders, yeah. just like on a day-to-day basis out in the world and in the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I can see a guy on the street and like immediately lust after him, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to make exactly. him feel unsafe. I'm not going to make him feel uncomfortable. I'm not even going to talk to him. I'm going to look and then like smile under my mask and one's going to know. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah and it's a lot less obvious if a woman is struggling with mm-hmm. her it's her sexuality <laughs> it's more inward literally just uh-huh. just physically it is more inward mm-hmm. than a man mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. You know, turned on or something like that right he can't really right. See. it's much easier for us to hide it mm-hmm. and i remember like becoming friends with megan and we're both <laughs> just so comfortable talking about these things and i was like wait you struggled with that too
2: Mm -hmm. wait, like, you
1: think about this too? Wait, wait, really? Because a lot, Mm -hmm. I would try to talk to, talk about it with my other friends. And even within female friendships, I know that we're all lying to each other. Yeah. Right. Yep. That we haven't struggled with this or that. And you just, there's so much shame. You're like, well, I can't talk about that or whatever and then when you finally find a friend who is just super open about it you're like wait a second like this isn't right. I'm not disgusting
2: and gross that I've struggled <laughs> with freak. this no I mean I feel like the moment that you start having honest conversations you think they're going to be characterized by shame and what they're actually characterized by is laughter every time and you know what I'm talking about too. Connection, connection yes and safety because you're like yes. okay
0: good because you know I just I look back at like teenage Megan who was like mm-hmm. really, really struggling completely in isolation. Mm. and It was just like, there's, I didn't feel like there was anyone in my life that I could safely go to and be open about it. And it's like, it's when it's out in the open and there's like uh-huh. that accountability then of like, okay, well, this person knows like, I'm not in this alone. Then, then you can actually have victory. Whereas like, just like struggling on your own with no one uh-huh. knowing about it is just so discouraging because you feel like you can never get on top of it because you're you're we're not meant to do it up by ourselves it's like
2: right
1: right right absolutely and do you think that our lust typically manifests differently than men and their struggle with lust
2: um yeah I mean like I said earlier it's I think ours tends to be relational. So like with a specific mm-hmm. person in a some sort of relationship, I'm not saying like boyfriend or husband, it can be just like a guy mm-hmm. you're hooking up with or a male friend or whatever. Like it tends to be a little bit more relational where men have this kind of like societal immunity to like just do it on the street, you know, or in the bar or just like put it all out there there's just it's the confidence the audacity you know Um, yeah it's so I think I like I said like ours happens behind closed doors because we're not harassing Mm -hmm. people on the street Mm
0: yeah 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 I know so earlier we mentioned just like the differences between like desiring someone versus Mm -hmm. lusting after them Mm -hmm. um and I know like I said I kind of thought of it as like oh lust is very inward focused it's what can I get out of this do you think there's an element of pride connected to
2: lust 1000 percent. yeah absolutely um especially when we're talking about like with girls it's like it's all behind closed doors right because our pride is connected to keeping that pure image um with guys I think a lot of times it's like the prideful aspect of lust is like it's like collecting trophies it does that make sense yeah
0: yeah
2: yeah um, I think, I think pride is a connector for all of the vices. It really all comes back to pride and the lack of trust in God.
0: Which is so interesting too, because when we think about like Satan, that's kind mm-hmm. of his main vice, mm-hmm. pride mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. obsession with himself. He wanted to be greater than God. And right. isn't
2: that at the end of the day, just kind of like what we're all doing. We're trying to be little gods. <laughs> right. And, and it's his greatest weapon. Cause like if you're struggling with anything, but like specifically yeah. lust so that pride is going to be the thing that seeks, that prevents you from getting help.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, Satan is the accuser. And so there's, you know, we've talked a lot about the shame, you know, and it's like, I think there's like a healthy, a healthy guilt or conviction that should come with the Holy Spirit when we are sinning. Mm -hmm. But I think Satan will take that and twist it and change it into shame. And so because shame makes you hide (laughs) right think of in the garden like when they felt shame after they ate the fruit they hid from God Mm -hmm. it's like that's what shame is doing it's having us hide and so I think that's you know when we talk about lust it's like yes we should feel convicted by the Holy Spirit yes we should be striving after holiness but that shame gets in the way of that because we're not going to talk about it we're not going to bring it into the light
2: right Right. I've been thinking lately. It's so funny that we're having this conversation because I've been thinking about the commonalities between every time that I've gotten seriously hurt, um, like emotionally with a boy. So like any time in a romantic relationship, anything um, where like I've ended up with a wound and like, what is the commonality? And it has always been like, the problem was never like, even if it's like somebody, like I was thinking about the situation with this guy where like I really liked him and like I thought he really liked me and like (laughs) he just like and I'm such a smart girl. This is where it hurts. I'm such a smart girl, but I got totally bamboozled, completely bamboozled. No, it's fine. It's a long time ago now. (laughs) I don't know what that feels like at all. (laughs) And it's always, it's just so upsetting because you look at yourself in the mirror afterwards and you're like, you are so smart you went to college you have a book you have a podcast you've been on tv like how how you're so smart what what is it just an accent just an accent that trips you up are you kidding me are you kidding me (laughs) Um, but I was thinking about that and what hurt me in the end wasn't his his lust or anything that happened like what hurt me was his shame you know because I couldn't even get a conversation about it afterwards and when I look at any of the the big wounds and everything the thing that's hurt me in the end is like the man's pride and shame and unwillingness to bring it into the light and just have a conversation or just like call it what it was because if we could sit down and be like you know what like that was my lust, I used you, I did A, I did B, I did C, like that's like, let's call it out, call it by its name, put it in the light and like apologize. Then we could all move on. And those wouldn't be big wounds. They would be lessons, you know, but the thing that allows it to stay like a festering wound, like we talked about earlier, is that shame and that pride.
1: Oh my gosh, Megan and I right now, if you could see our (laughs) face, you just described the exact situation that I have never actually been able to put into words. Oh girl, that's what I was just dealing with.
2: Girl, that's what's happening all over America, baby. (laughs) (laughs) This is the plight of the modern Christian woman because this is the backlash of the purity culture that we grew up with, where we were told you know, the worst thing you can do is fall into lust is fall into sexual sin, which obviously is serious and mm-hmm. like it's it's something we need to deal with, but it was so ingrained in us. And we were what I think unfortunately a message a lot of us got out of it is like to keep this reputation and to keep this facade of this like perfectly pure woman, perfectly pure man. And so now we're pushing our ish into the shadows so badly, and we're hurting each other so badly by trying yes. to keep up these facades. Yep. Cause people won't even acknowledge what happened. They'll just move past it. And it's, it's gaslighting. It's crazy. And it, it prevents the wound from ever, ever healing. I have stuff from like four or five years ago that like still hasn't healed, which is insane. Cause I literally didn't even like him that much, but it's like, because of the gaslighting and because of the shame that was surrounding it, 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 it still has never healed.
0: Right. It's, it's not a pain like, oh, I'm not with them. <laughs> it's right way now. way deeper than that. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. And I think that's
0: such a valuable point to bring up too that our pride not only hurts us, but it hurts others.
2: Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm like a little bit in shock right now. (laughs) I feel like I need to go to to my therapist right now and talk about like, wait a second, what you just said and be like, I think I understand why I can't get over this boy right now. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really tough and I'm sorry that's happened. Um, it is something that I've noticed pretty much exclusively with Christian and Catholic guys. Um, because secular guys just don't have the shame surrounding sexuality the way that no religious guys do. And there's so many wonderful things that Christian and Catholic guys bring to the table, but like the shame around sexuality is doozy.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. That is. Yep. Wow. Yep. I'm going to go home and think about that one for the rest of the day. Oh, wow. Um. Yeah, so there was this line in the poem that really stuck with me, and I think mm-hmm. it's also connected to the ways that women struggle, you know, with pride connected to lust is mm-hmm. the line you said, the only thing stronger than my wants is my want to be wanted. Oh, yeah. And like it, yeah that was just dead on I mean women we when we go to our friends and brag it's not like oh I got laid last night and I <laughs> got like whatever this it's no he wanted me yeah yes. he wants me so much <laughs> and that's what a lot of times feels good about in a sexual encounter is like obviously you know the physical pleasure if that's there but it's that oh he wanted me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even like the yeah hard to get
0: it's like you want to be yeah. chased. <laughs> I- right chase me <laughs> right
2: right it uh yeah and that's a perversion of our sexuality right because like mm-hmm. to want to be desired by a loving partner is good but like yes to want to be wanted is, like, a want for attention, which, like, hello, like, hello, this is, you can't see it, but I'm pointing at myself, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I, like, everything I write, like, I hope it never sounds like I'm, like, accusing people, because, like, this is me calling myself out every time, oh, um, but, yeah, it's, it's tough, we want to be one, I mean, that's why, we get all dressed up with our girlfriends and go to the bar, right? Like, am I actually expecting to meet my soulmate? Like, probably not, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I want to get hit on and then the last five minutes be like, no, I can't, and like run away like Cinderella, you know? <laughs> 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 like, I <laughs> not anymore, not with COVID, but, um, yeah, the desire to be desired, mm-hmm. specifically, really, really specifically for how we look, right? Um. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is tricky is really really tricky it is so affirming and here's the thing like this conversation it can't exist in a vacuum because like why is it such a specific desire to be desired for how we look instead of like how smart we are how funny we are like our Mm -hmm. creativity etc it's because society has placed this incredible wound in us on how we look you know as women um and they have just prayed place this burden of like never being good enough and never being pretty enough skinny enough etc um to the point where like it's become the most important thing to us because it's become the least attainable
0: yes yeah um so
2: any we try to fill that void and heal that wound with male attention and affirmation
0: Mm -hmm. I also wonder too, if this emphasis on men being visual and men struggling with lust and men watching pornography has also kind of influenced how much women then want to compete with that. You know, it's like, okay, well, if Mm -hmm. my guy is going to be having all these struggles, well, then I need to be better than all of that. So that he's lusting after me. You know, it's almost like I see those as threats (laughs) and i need to be above them i need to be sought after over all of that and so it's instead of you know like you were saying well i want to be you know sought after for who i am as a person it gets twisted to well i need to be sought after for my
1: looks because that's all they're doing yeah so we've talked a lot about how and even in society i think we talk a lot about how a man's lust harms women and how we need mm-hmm. to keep uh, male lusts in check. Or it's just a lot more obvious, as we've said, that mm-hmm. men, it, sometimes it's a lot more aggressive. It's yeah. a lot more violent. And we, mm-hmm. we see every day in society how that plays out. But how do you, in what ways do you think men are harmed when a woman's lust is unchecked?
2: Um, I mean, something really tricky, right, with women and pornography and masturbation is it can convince you that you don't need a man you know and that's very that's very in vogue right now um to be like well why would you even need him when there is like female-centric pornography and there are all of these sex toys that focus on female pleasure um Mm -hmm. and it can really trick you into thinking that you don't need a man and it it is right it's so because I guess because you you maybe you don't want a man but um I'm sorry you maybe you don't need 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 a man but like you, sh- you should want a human you know I, I'm yeah. not trying to I'm not sure how to explain it like you can still like not need a man to do taxes you know but like needing a man for a romantic relationship and wanting that specific person is still good yeah, and maybe. necessary or yeah and we can't in that way exactly and we can't replace them with mm-hmm. an object mm-hmm. um And so I think that something tricky on the women's side is yeah. Being convinced like, well, now I have all this available to me. I don't even, I don't even need a partner. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think this conversation is just so important. Um, you know, we've brought a lot of different things up, but maybe as we kind of wrap it up, you know, as we're navigating discerning between like healthy attraction, healthy desire, and then on the other end, sinful lust, how, mm-hmm. or what does it
2: look like to love correctly? Mm. I mean, that's always going to come down to putting the other person before yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Desiring their greatest good, which is of course heaven, but also desiring their greatest good, even when it's in tr- like direct contradiction with like your greatest good. So I love is sacrifice. Love is the cross. It's dying to self for another in a way that's totally nonsensical and radical. Um, so anything that requires you to die to yourself is probably love and mm-hmm. anything that you, you know, we all know when we're using someone, we, we have that little, there's a difference between shame and guilt and your conscience, right. And your mm, conscience yeah. is a gift from God. And like, we know when we're using someone and you know, yeah, when you're using your sexuality as a gift and when you're using your sexuality as a means to take.
1: That just, I mean, I know you've read theology of the body. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Just bits what's... and pieces, not the whole thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so much of this just reminds me of jp2's totally description of what love is and why lust is so harmful because you're just seeing the other person as this object you're not seeing them as a body soul composite Mm -hmm. you're just seeing them for their body Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i was thinking about how female lust you know can harm men and i think a lot of times Going back to that, we want to be wanted. And I, I know I fall into this, that we will act or dress in a certain way just to get that attention, just to get that. Oh, rest. totally. And that's harmful to men too. Like men do have, them. we can't ignore, they also have emotions. And right. there's certainly this like, drive in us if we're talking to a guy that we know we don't want to be in a relationship with but they're giving us that attention we'll kind of like keep going back to that Mm -hmm. like there's that one guy you'll go to for the affirmation and that is harmful Mm. and sometimes we downplay how guys have emotions too and can get attached to women and we'll just want that like that attention and i've even seen that in myself and it's been hard for me to even admit oh man i did do that yeah and Yeah. I think we can ignore the ways that we can also use men in an emotional way.
2: Yeah. um, We, we, yeah, I think we have to, that's a whole nother conversation about, um, for sure, how we treat our guy friends and not using them as your emotional boyfriend without (laughs) them being your romantic boyfriend. And that is something that I have made serious mistakes with in the past. And like, I've hurt myself and I've hurt other people and I have a lot of regrets about it, you know, and it's, it's a learning curve for all of us, but I I totally see what you're saying. And I just completely agree.
1: Well, Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I think you even mentioned it, like shame Festers in the darkness. And that's Mm -hmm. like our entire heart behind this podcast is to bring things that are uncomfortable, that are laced with shame, into the light and to Mm -hmm. talk about it. You know, we said that so many times we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's how we will heal. And that's how we will stop hurting each other as men and women and the struggle with sexuality and with lust. So I'm just so happy that you are, in such a beautiful way, you know, with your poetry, bringing to light these struggles that we have and giving. Women, the space to talk about lust, yeah. talk about their struggles, and to find real healing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To find healing with each other.
0: You know, like you mm. say, like, you know, it's when you connect with another woman who's like, no, I
1: struggle with this too. You mm-hmm. can find healing together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much, Claire. For all of our listeners, we will definitely link all of her, her Instagram, her book, her mm-hmm. podcast, the, doc- the documentary, just everything because she's doing a lot. And um, <laughs> yeah, we're just really grateful for your voice, Claire. And thank you so much for coming on.